Ladies and gentlemen, hello, hello, and welcome to a very special episode of Sherm in the Booth. Ooh, ooh. My name is Sherm. You guys are some true Chicagoans for coming out in January. It's snowing outside, it's freezing, and you're at the f***ing club at 1 a.m. Boys with the bass, yeah, boys, boys, bass. Who am I talking to right now? You're famous. <laughs> free food, free drinks, music. Girls, let's go. Do you like it? Cool. If you don't, goodbye. <laughs> I'm missing the most important part. Boys in the face, yes. We should throw like a crazy like bar mitzvah party. This, this is crazy. Send me stems. I finished it. <laughs> hey, what's up, guys? How is everyone doing? Just wait, you know it kicks in like three to five seconds afterward. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, yo, what's good everyone and welcome back to another brand new episode of Sherman the Booth. I'm of course your host Sherm and today is Friday, December 9th, 2022 and this is episode 217. Hope everyone is having a great holiday season so far and that you're ready for one hell of an interview. It is my honor to have legendary DJ producer LA Riots on for his first Sherman the Booth. Daniel and I caught up last week and had an amazing conversation that I'm really excited to share with you. In episode 217, we got it all in and started by talking about his journey into music. Daniel has been around the world and has a very unique life story. He was born in New Zealand but grew up in North Carolina and has always loved music. He fell in love with German bass and started pursuing a career as a DJ. He eventually made his way out to Los Angeles where he spent a bulk of his life. LA Riots was born in the early 2000s and since then he's grown to become a household name in electronic music. We of course talked about his discography, and throughout the interview we touched on the evolution of his sound and how many different foundational influences still play a huge part in his current style. LA Riots has put out music on some of the world's most recognized labels like Dim Mac, Musical Freedom, Realm, Spinning, and Hood Politics, just to name a few. We got the backstory on tracks like House Philosophy, a personal favorite, I Call That Love with Max Styler, and I Promise You, which was so much fun to hear about. Amazing producer. It was also great hearing about what he's up to nowadays. He actually moved to Bali and has taken a different approach to life and music entirely. His only goal is to be happy. He spends most of his days surfing and is living his life to the absolute fullest. He's been in the music industry for a long time. It was refreshing to hear his perspective on what really matters in and outside of the rat race. We also got the backstory on a documentary he's been working on called Amen Brother which shines a light on a mixed race band called The Winstons, whose track has been sampled by thousands of artists without ever being compensated. Cannot wait for this one to come out. We've been trying to line up this interview for quite some time and I'm so glad we made it happen. Daniel, thank you so much for making the time to come on my friend and I'm looking forward to connecting with you again soon. I think we definitely gotta get you back on the podcast. Let's get into it right now so you guys can hear his full story for yourselves. This episode 217 with LA Riots. Ladies and gentlemen, hello, hello, and welcome to Sherm in the Booth. It is my absolute honor to have LA Riots here with me today. Daniel, usually you would be in Bali or traveling around in your van or surfing or at the club or now as I just found out walking, but you're in Florida at your mom's after Thanksgiving. How are you feeling, my friend? I'm feeling good. Good. Yeah. I've been, uh, I'm enjoying some downtime. Yeah, I know. That's 
it's a strange time of the year. I feel like it just comes up so fast. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I got to pack in all these things the last month and a half with family and uh, just thinking about next year and trying to recap everything that's happened. But yeah, I feel the same. Trying to take it slow. Miss trying to get back to Bali. <laughs> well, do you have a flight yet? I actually am talking with my uh, um, my agent's assistant. I don't mm-hmm. know what they're called. Is it just assistant? Yeah, about um, flights right now because she's trying to get me on a flight that I don't want to get on um, back home because I sent her my flight that I wanted and then she found a better one. But I, I tend to only fly the airline that i want to fly and yeah yeah so, do so i don't have a flight i should have a flight like within the next like 10 minutes i think they're gonna book it nice how do you how do you get there is i'm it taking like... ecstasy I'm, <laughs> I'm taking... no it's it's biotin it's for healthy hair i love it you do you got a hell of a head of hair man almost 50 years old with that hair are you fucking kidding me legend <laughs> i'm turning 48 in uh, a week and a half did you, no, always have, you didn't always have long hair though did you no i had long hair twice when i was a kid mm-hmm. and then through my adult life no but then the last couple of years i've been growing it yeah it's, it's just easier it's easier <laughs> to, to not, have long hair to not have yeah you don't have to go to the fucking haircut like that's very you don't have to style it you just wake up wash it every few days well i got yeah wash it every few days that's, that's it good. yeah okay yeah, I, I, it's more like function uh, than it is uh, form uh, for me. I just don't want to get haircuts. <laughs> Dude, more power to you. Yeah. I yeah, I went through a phase where I had like an undercut and it was just like, you know, every week or two, you got to go like get it done. Uh, you're looking at a guy who has to get a haircut every two weeks, man, or else it starts. Fuck to look- that, man. Dude, it's I, huge I think I do it like every like five months. I get a little trim. <laughs> oh, God, I'm so jealous. I mean, you, you're an adult. You can do this. You know, I, you're I, I, my hair does not grow out and look cool like yours, dude. It turns into a Jew. No, that's the thing. you got to get through that, that stage. Yeah. Yeah. You get through the stage and then it looks cool. Like my hair doesn't, I'm, no, my hair is always looks cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but but yeah, you just you know the weight brings it down, and then it gets you know. You're right. Okay. Just wear it in a bun until it looks cool, and then take it down. All right, you've inspired me. I'll see what my wife thinks. All right. Yeah, I'm gonna check in with you. <laughs> Make sure you're doing it. Sounds good, man. It's uh, it's really great to be uh, having this interview with you during your timeline in life and mine because. Maybe like five years ago, if we would have chatted or I'm going to, I'm going to ask more about this, but you're at like a crossroads almost where you feel like you went past that, where the past year uh, you've been living in Bali, surfing, just taking your time in life and just wanting to be happy. That's what you told me. When, yeah, yeah. when did that decision happen for you? Um, When I got really bummed on music, like, yeah. honestly, like I just, yeah, I mean, my I had a I had a dog that I was really close to um and he passed and I was uh I was actually in Hawaii playing hard when it happened and like I don't know I just kind of like got like into a little bit of a depression yeah. when that happened sure. um because I never had a pet passed away mm. um yeah it's so sad and uh yeah and I just kind of like 
put a lot of stuff on the back burner. And then, I don't know, I just got sick of being in the rat race, kind of. I mean, even though I'm not really, you know, it's not like I have like a real job. I haven't had a real job in like, like at least almost 20 years now. I was in corporate America until 2003. Oh, wow. And then, uh, and then, um, yeah. And then I, cause I was living in North Carolina mm-hmm. after college and I worked through my like twenties and mid twenties in corporate America kind of with a, an office job. And then, uh, um, yeah, 2003, I sold everything and I moved to LA where my brother lived. Cause I was like, yeah, I don't want to be here anymore. Mm-hmm. Moved to LA, started over. Mm. And then that was 2003 started LA riots, 2007. And then I think, yeah, 2016 is when that happened. Um, and I actually, randomly went to where did i go i went to new zealand with yellow wolf do you know yellow wolf of course man amazing rapper i went to yeah it was random i went to <laughs> I, I didn't know the guy like literally he came to my house it was like very random like when i was in hawaii okay i'll tell the story so i was yeah, in hawaii please. i was playing hard it was the one okay so it was it was rez i think it was rez and chami and Destructo, maybe Wax Motif, mm-hmm. and me. Yeah, yeah. Sick lineup. That was it. Um, yeah, it was, that was a really odd one, too, because they um, they do these, like, single stage kind of festival things, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so outdoors and everything. Yeah. And it was obviously, like, Chami was the headliner, like, you know. Um, but they put me on last. Like, I played... And it wasn't like last, like you're playing like at, you know, four in the morning last. It was because it was outdoors um, in Hawaii, which is fairly conservative when it comes to uh, events like that. Like the cops love to fuck with them there. Um, But I think it was over at midnight. And so I played the 11 to midnight slot. And I think that day I got a phone call before, like when I was, I think I was actually out on a hike. I was hiking uh diamond head and I got a phone call from one of my buddies and he's like, yo, he's like, and it's, it's ran- It was a random phone call. Cause my buddy was a firefighter, but he calls me and he's like, yo, I'm managing yellow wolf. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, he's like crazy long story, but I'm managing yellow wolf. And, uh, I guess he had gotten rid of like his whole band. He was going through some shit like yellow wolf was. Mm-hmm. And he, he had canceled like a bunch of dates on his tour. And I don't think that day my friend had started managing. Him. I think my friend had been managing him for a little while at this point. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, he canceled a bunch of his tour dates. Um, and I think he got rid of his, his band. But the one tour date they didn't want him to cancel was playing New Year's Day in New Zealand. And this was right before Christmas. Um, Yeah, it was right before Christmas. And uh, the gig was obviously like, what, like a week away, a week and a half away. It was a few days before Christmas when this happened. Um, And uh, 
I'm a New Zealand citizen, so I have a New Zealand passport. What? Yeah, it's random. Um, uh, yeah, I was born in New Zealand, but raised kind of in Hawaii and then bounced around the States a lot. But LA is the place I've lived the longest at this point in my life. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, so they called me and my buddy was like, hey, can you be Yellow Wolf DJ for this gig in, in New Zealand that he can't like, he can't fuck off basically. And I was like, absolutely not. Like, A, I'm not, I'm not like a hip hop, like, right. DJ. like, and B, I didn't know a single song of this guy's like nothing. <laughs> and it's funny because I actually was following him on Instagram yeah. just because I thought he had like the dopest style. Like he has, he, does. he has incredible style. Yeah. His He's tattoos like, are so sick. Good tattoos. And you know, he dresses like a fucking redneck, but he raps and he like, <laughs> you know. and uh, so I was like, yeah, no, I'm good. And then, um, then my dog passes away the day after I play hard. And so I, I literally, um, you know, the promoters took me to the airport. I'm crying. Like, I'm like, just fly back to, to LA just so I can basically go to the vet and hold my like dead dog you know? Yeah. And then, um, I think it was like the day after Christmas or something like that. Like my buddy shows up, who's from San Diego, shows up at my house with yellow wolf and they come in my place. And like, I had been home a couple of days at this point, And like, like in my house where I'm used to always having my dog with me. So it's just been a pity party for the last few days. Yeah. And like, so, you know, when I said that, that yellow wolf is going through some shit, I think he had gotten like and i mean this is he was pretty public about this so i don't feel bad about saying it or anything but he had been put on like a i guess it's like the 5150 hold uh like they think you're insane or something like that i do it wasn't this. it wasn't that he was just like he was just tired of fucking working like being on the road you know and making other people money and all kinds of shit he had fired his management fired his team so it was around that that time and I had kind of seen that all this was going on. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of the reason why I didn't want to, to go to New Zealand with them. That and like, I have no clue like what his music sounds like or anything. Yeah, it's a long trip. Um, but he comes over to my house and he talks to me and he's like, really cool. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about tattoos. I remember this is funny. He drops his pants to show me this tattoo on his inner thigh. I was like, it was like really random. I have so many fucking random stories of like people not in the dance music world. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, sorry, I'm just thinking of other stories in my head. Yeah, too. I could see it happening. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And so I was like, yeah, sure, I'll go. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think it was. I'm pretty sure it was his birthday, like two, like the 29th. And we got on a plane. And when you fly, depending on when you get on the plane, like you can miss a whole day because you cross over like date lines and stuff like that. Yes, um, yeah. And I remember we didn't even get, he was like, we didn't get to celebrate his birthday. But the the crazy thing was um, DJ Paul from 3-6 Mafia was on the, on coming with us. Like he shows up at the airport. Two of, I think two of, Two of Wolf's friends show up 
And then Danny Way was supposed to come, but there was something weird going on with him purchasing like a fucking assault weapon and he couldn't come there at the time, like because he had to buy this gun, something weird like that. And then, yeah, we all flew there. And then. So Yellow will convince you though, because he was just yeah, like, yeah. I need your help. Yeah. And I think like we go there and I'm trying to think if it was like New Year's night, New Year's Eve, mm-hmm. or um, maybe the day before, but I end up like, we end up going to this town, um, on the North Island, uh, to play this festival called Bay Dreams Festival. Um, it's in Mount Monganui, but we were staying in Taronga and, um, we took over a club and I played, I ended up playing that night. And then DJ Paul from three, six mafia is like MCing over my whole set, which is kind of rad. That's um I was playing I was obviously playing dance music but like the crazy thing is like um wolf is like all over the place on this trip like um we had like Steve Butcher I don't know if you know who he is but he's like won multiple years um the best realism tattoos he's like braided like one of the best tattoo artists in the world and when we landed the promoters pick us up and they're all they look like they're Yellow Wolf fans, not like dance music fans or anything, you know? Yeah. Um, they're all tattooed up. They're, they actually are big Yellow Wolf fans. I didn't realize how huge this guy was. Like, everybody was a fucking fan of this guy. <laughs> but they had the raddest tattoos on them. On them. Um, like, they're wearing shirts or something. But yeah, like, uh, Wolf is like, yo, those are rad tattoos. And they're like, oh, well, that's Steve Butcher. He just won the London, like, fucking tattoo convention. We can get him to come tattoo you guys. And I'm like, absolutely. Yeah, let's make that happen. Um, and uh, we went and the whole time we're there, I'm kind of like a little stressed because I know nothing about like um, Yellow Wolf's music. And I have to be his DJ during this show Yeah. Um, in front of like 20,000 people, you know, two days in two days. I know nothing about this guy's music. And I... I I remember that when I decided, when I said yes, I was like, oh, how many records can this guy have out? How many albums can this guy have out, you know? And I go and I look and he has like fucking so many albums, so many mixtapes, like so many, like everything. So like I was panicking and uh, yeah, I get there. And the whole time I'm like trying to like find a moment because, you know, he's with all his boys and everybody are there and we're partying, but he doesn't, he's not drinking. He's not doing drugs, not doing anything. But it was just still like, there was just a a million things to do. Like we fucking got, we went to go to the like Hobbiton where the hobbits like live. And you know, they, they take people in group tours. Like they load you on this tour bus and then you go like, I don't know, like a a few miles from the gift shop and everything where you meet at, you know, where, or the entrance. And then everybody gets out and you have a guide and they take you around. Well, fucking, we all show up with like Yellow Wolf and <laughs> DJ Paul and me and all the other tattooed guys. And they literally just put us in our own van. <laughs> like didn't put us with any of the groups. <laughs> we were, yeah, we were wilding. We were going crazy that whole trip. That but, um, amazing. but like, yeah, I'm just like the whole time, like, Hey Wolf, like, can you let me know what we're going to play? Like, what are we going to do? You know? Mm-hmm. And uh, he's, he's like, yeah, yeah. Don't worry about it. We'll, we'll work it out. And, uh, yeah, so Paul, Steve Butcher comes over 
Mm-hmm. And I remember he was going through like a breakup with his chick. So he was like wasted the whole time, like drunk. Oh. And he's the biggest Yellow Wolf fan. He's all over Yellow Wolf, like trying to like fanboy. And I'm like, Wolf is pissed the whole time. We went to like some parties and stuff because obviously it was like New Year's Eve. And I remember they were getting like everybody was just getting on everybody's each other's nerves, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, DJ Paul ends up letting this guy tattoo him like right here, Um, which the tattoo turned out being good. But it just said like Slamaritan. It wasn't like one of his crazy realist tattoos, which is what I wanted. But I wasn't going to let him like tattoo me when he's like drunk, you know. and so that night, I remember, like, I had this, like, eureka moment. And I was like, oh, shit. So I went on the computer and I just Googled, like, Yellow Wolf set lists. And I got all these, like, Yellow Wolf set lists. And then I took them to, to Wolf. And uh, I was like, yo, like, let's get a set list together of what you're going to play. And he's like, okay, yeah, this is the set list I want. And I saw that there were, like, these little, like, notes kind of next to the set list. Um and so I, I was like, what do you, what's this mean? And he's like, oh, right here, I wanted to go into like, I, I remember like one song, he was like, I wanted to like transition into ACDC back is black and then go back to like the song. And he's like, I'll rap over the ACDC part too. So I had to make all these edits oh, and all this stuff. I was up like till the morning. I remember that. And uh, um, so when he split from his band, uh, I, I actually knew the DJ that was his DJ at the time. I'm not going to say his name, but um, I don't think it was like a good breakup. Yeah. Um, but they ended up getting back together for a little while, I, I saw. And then now I don't think they're working together anymore. But um, I think the breakup was bad because Wolf didn't have any of his um, his music. Like he didn't have like stuff. So I had to basically go on to like Amazon music and buy <laughs> all of the tracks, um, which obviously like, a lot of a lot of rappers they they rap just to the CD, you know. They 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 have like the the track running underneath with the full vocal, yep. you know. Um, so th- they're they're not lip syncing because they're actually like still performing with the mic yeah. on. Them. Um, so that's what I had done. I had gotten all those and I made these edits and yeah, we went out and played the show and it was great. I remember though, I was like, I ran into like friends backstage. And they were all like, what are you doing here? Like, uh, I remember <laughs> AC Slater, Slater and his, his well, at that time she wasn't his wife, but Susie was there. And I remember them being like, what are you doing here? And I had been drinking. I don't normally drink. And I had like, I was drinking so many beers. Like I was shit faced right before <laughs> we went on. <laughs> but I remember them asking why I was there. And they know my dog. Like they were my neighbors, you oh, know? that's amazing. And and I'm like, fucking, I just start bawling backstage to them crying. I was like, oh, Toby passed away. You know, I was like, yeah. So that happened. Um, but I played. It was really good. Set was amazing. And uh, there's actually a video. I'll send it to you. Um, yeah. There's a video on my Instagram where, like, for the last song, he was like, yo, for the last song, you can, like, I want you to go crazy. And I was like, oh, cool. Say no more. And so I... Uh, I made this edit of his song till it's gone. Yeah. Last song. And like, um, at the end it's, it does the, like, you know, I don't know if it's a banjo or just like a, I think it's a banjo. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, he does till it's gone. Yeah. Um, till it's gone, till it's gone. And I brought in the, the DJ, 
snake remix of I think it was Killer or I think it was a DJ Snake Skrillex remix or maybe it was a Skrillex remix of DJ Snake. Um, Went hard, but I brought that in, um, faded that into that, and it's like the the clip is crazy because you see like Wolf like he's in front, and you know there's like I think it was eighteen thousand people. Yeah, and he's there, and DJ Paul was on stage with him. Oh, actually, I forgot about this part too. Um, when we got to to New Zealand, DJ Paul got like held up in customs because you know you see a black guy with like a grill and tattoos. Like the border patrol people are like, "Fuck yeah, we're gonna get this guy for something!" Right, right, right. You know? So we waited for a while for him, and then finally somebody made the call, like the tour manager or something. Was like, "Yo, we need to go." He can figure out his own way there. You know, he had his tour. He had his tour manager there with him, though. Okay. Um, so they could figure out how to get, like, to, you know, we're all adults here, you know? Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we left them. But then when we got, like, a few miles outside of the airport, after waiting, like, hours, like, we finally get a call. And he's like, yo, I'm, I'm good. So we turned around. We picked him back up. But Bone Thugs <laughs> is supposed to be on that show, too. Um, and uh, um, they couldn't get in the country because I, I think they have, you know, criminal records or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, um, Dude, this is shit. I'm trying to think what happened. So they asked DJ Paul to fucking play their slot the day of. And I'm like, and Paul, like me and Paul have become friends at this point. And he's like, yo, can you be my DJ? And I was like, fuck yeah, I can be your DJ. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yo, fucking three six mafia, yeah, I'm down. For so sure. I was actually his DJ too. You know, I I completely forgot about that until that I was DJ Paul's DJ. That's another one I can add to that thing. But um yeah, uh so this story is he insane. actually was um DJ Paul was actually uh Yellow Wolf's hype man during Yellow Wolf set, and uh at the very end. Like it's doing that, you know, the, the till it's gone. Mm -hmm. Hi Maui. You want to see, you want to see Maui? Come here, Maui. Come here. (laughs) This is my other dog. He's now my mom's dog because I didn't bring him to Bali. Maui. (laughs) Aw. He's mad. He's cute. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't look like he likes being picked up. No, not at all. And he's really heavy. He's put on weight because my mom just feeds him table food. Um, Yeah. So at the end, that's like coming in. And when it's building, like the crowd is going insane. And then it it like drops. And I'm going to send you this video. It's one of the craziest videos. And we just went wild on stage. Like, like tour managers are stage diving. I remember (laughs) jumping on my friend who was um, Yellowwolf's manager, like jumping on his back and whipping him like he was a horse. Like, <laughs> it was pretty crazy. And then after all of that, um, when they were saying their goodbyes and stuff, like it was really cool. Cause like Wolf like brings me to the front of the stage. Like he, he like, you know, thanks like DJ Paul and everything. And then he's like, and one more thing. And he brings me up to the front. He's like, get up here. And I get up there and he, he basically is like, yo, this is a, uh, this is, you know, Daniel Riots, because I didn't want them to use LA Riots. Right. And they were like, he is from New Zealand. And like the crowd went nuts. It was really cool. 
Um, but yeah, that's that story. I got like a whole lot more. I could just sit here and listen to your fucking stories after that one. Yeah. Um, shit. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I did one other show with him. And I remember, oh, this this one was really cool, actually, too. Um, I think it was for Danny Way. He did a, like, a, mm. a couple weeks later, he did, like, a, I think it was, like, a, a, a like, a cancer, um, like, benefit thing down in San Diego at the Hard Rock. Mm-hmm. And I had just met Kiara. The, do you know her? The, the, the chick that did gold. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and she had come down to hang out. Like she was friends with Wolf. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm going to make her get on stage. So I actually found uh, uh, an instrumental of that track, Gold. And in the middle of Yellow Wolf set, like he was like trying to, like we, he always has this banter, you know, between which I had to get used to. Like he got mad at me a couple of times on that New Zealand show because I'd miss like certain things because I'm back there and I couldn't hear anything. Yeah, you know? of course. And, and he wasn't nice about it a couple of times, but it, it is. Um, but yeah, like I remember um, she showed up to the show and like halfway through it, I like brought in that that track and like they pushed her out on stage and she had to perform. It was pretty funny. But yeah, <laughs> that happened too. Damn, dude. Unbelievable. You you have seen a lot. So have you been in the music industry since 2007 officially, would you say? Um, yeah, a few years before. I mean, I actually was a touring, not like crazy touring. Like this is, you gotta, you gotta understand too. Like there was like DJing like before it was like, yeah, you know, like William Morris and fucking Endeavor and all these like big business mm-hmm. things were in, you know? Mm-hmm. And like people actually had to um, had to know how to really DJ, you know, yeah. you had to do it by ear. It wasn't the technology doing it for you. Um, so I was doing that in the nineties um, oh, as a drum okay. and bass DJ. Wow. And you, yes. where were you living then? Were you like, I was in North Carolina, but it was just like, to me, it was just like a hobby. Yeah. 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 You weren't taking it cause you were in corporate America. Like, yeah, I mean, but I was still flying out on the weekends and playing like, you know, I'd play like Diesel Boys Club up in like Philly. I'd play like sick. Capital Ballroom Buzz in DC. I'd play like Concrete East Coast Drum and Bass, man. Yeah. Rave, rave scene there on the East Coast. Where would I play now. in Chicago? Who was the Chicago guys? Not Carl K, because he was Philly. Phantom 45 and Danny yeah, Nice. Danny Wildchild. Where are those guys now? I don't know, man. That name has come up though before when I talk about the old days of some of these Chicago legends. Yeah. And was it based by the pound? Based, based by the pound. By the pound. I haven't heard that, but I like that. <laughs> I think they were the big like uh Chicago drum and bass like promoters. Dude, drum and drum bass. bass is making such a big resurgence. Like uh huge. We were, we were in uh but like cool, like not like cheesy, like mm-hmm. really cool shit. Like uh we were in LA and I went to Complex Con and randomly ran into this girl that I knew. And uh, she was like, oh, um, I'm going to meet up with uh, the Glitch Mob guys for dinner. Like it was her birthday or something. I was like, oh, shit. And then she started talking to me about the documentary. And then um, I was like, oh, the Glitch Mob guys sample a lot. Like maybe I could get an interview with them. So I like kind of put it out there for her to bring it up to them. Mm -hmm. And uh, she said, and so 
she went and then I'm like sitting in my hotel room and right at the time that they're, you know, cause she told me what time they were going to dinner. Um, I had been, me and Ua have been friends for a while. And I know edit Ed from, um, from glitch mob, but I, I look on my, uh, my Instagram and they started following me. So like the next day I like texted her. I was like, yo, glitch mob started following me. I was like, you obviously brought it up to them. And she was like, yeah, she's like, I asked them what the amen was. Um, and they laughed and I was like, and she was like <laughs> a good way. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I, she told me that they had a new album out. So I put on the new album and it might be nine out of 10, but definitely eight out of 10 of the tracks on that album are amen tracks, like straight up drum and bass, like amazing tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, yo, I got it. So I basically hit her up and she put me on a group chat with all of them. And then literally that day, yeah, it was that day I was over at their place, the, uh, at Ed's place, um, meeting a bunch of people that were, um, uh, you know, doing a lot of like music shit in a scene in LA that I'm not even a part of, you know? Yeah. There's like a million different scenes in LA that are all like cool. Um, so true. And uh, yeah, so the next day, like we met this this girl, Anna Morgan. Do you know her? She's uh, really no. she's really dope. Um, but um, met her, met a guy named uh, Chemist, Kemi. Um, so yeah, the next day, I think because everybody was like high and it was Friendsgiving and everything. But the next day, we actually, before our flight, me and my partner went over to um, Ed's, uh, Ed's place and, and got uh, interviews with all of them. Wow. So yeah. they're in it. Yeah. Yeah, they're in it. Well, Ed's in it. Uh, Josh, ooh, ah, he was getting tattooed. And I don't know. There's another guy. I don't know. That's the one guy I don't know from Glitch Mob. But yeah. he wasn't there. I don't think he's touring with them right now. I don't know what's. I don't know the story behind that. It, it happens. I mean, it's a whole different life when touring gets involved. Yeah, yeah, and they're they're not doing the blade anymore. That mm-hmm. stage setup that they have. So I don't think it's necessary that all of them go on tour. That's true. What's what's yeah. it like for you now, seeing drum and bass really making a resurgence, especially in the U.S.? I mean, yeah, when you originally got into it. Um. Yeah. I mean. As LA Riots, I've made a few drum and bass tracks, you know. You've made a lot of drum and bass tracks. Some yeah. of like your earliest releases. Yeah. Um, and throughout and your like, whole career, too. Like, you well, never. And also, like, my partner, my previous partner, because I've had two partners in LA Riots, both named John. There was John <laughs> O'Brien and John Pegnato. Okay. Um, and John O'Brien was actually the first US guy signed to LTJ Bookham's label. So that's, and then I was a drum and bass DJ on the East coast. Um, and John and I, O'Brien and I, sorry. Yeah. Um, knew each other from, um, from North Carolina. Like he went to UNC, I went to UNC Greensboro. Mm-hmm. We're in the drum and bass world. It was like, it was like a really small, like tight knit, like group, um, of DJs in North Carolina that all just like really pushed each other. It's interesting too, because I feel like, like a lot of people, um, you know, um, a track and a lot of people like that mastercraft um yeah they all like really like my dj like i'm i'm known as like being super technical yeah um, you tell me that right and um and like uh i attribute that to like literally learning to dj in north carolina 
um, and not having like a lot of exposure to like being able to see DJs on the regular, like up close. So you do vinyl obviously too, right? Yeah. So yeah. It was all drum, vinyl, but, drum and bass but like vinyl. we, we always knew like drum and bass is not like this candy raver. Like I, I go out and I hear people like fucking train wreck beats and the crowds don't know it. And the other DJs don't know it. And drum and bass, you do that. You will get kicked the fuck off the decks. Like, the and they will, know. they will boo you like, which is <laughs> how it should be. Like, yeah. These clowns shouldn't be up there fucking train wrecking. Like, sorry, I'm just yeah. Breach. Um, <laughs> I'm on your team with this. I'm on your team, man. Um, but like, yeah, like DJing is like a lost art, you know. And that's that's why I like like how A Track was doing this whole hashtag real DJing like thing, yeah. you know. Like, yeah. These like, if I can teach you how to DJ in a day and have you playing on a festival stage next to a five year old, like, come on, like it's it's definitely like not how it used to be like you used to actually have to know how to dj so yeah living in north carolina and then having to go up to places like new york in a scene that like was not forgiving at all yeah like we really we already like had like a strike against us because they were like oh these country bumpkin dudes like we're gonna come up here and so it's actually funny like when i learned to dj it was not touching the vinyl like i mean obviously like you you bring the first beat in but then one hand on this pitch control and one hand on this pitch control and you just literally like that's you don't touch the vinyl you didn't and that's how we learned to dj wow. you know and you're just talking pure fader just the pitch control like 100 and what 50 to 170 bpm type stuff like yeah like 170 ish yeah that's crazy what was it difficult to even find records where you guys were growing up or at least getting into it <laughs> Uh, Scotty too hottie. This guy named Scotty. Actually, I brought him up the other day. I can't remember who. Oh, Ed's from Ed is from from Glitch Mob is from Boston. There was okay. a um, I mean, there were places you could get you could get um records from, but then you know, um New York, Breakbeat Science was obviously like they had everything on lot, DB and Dara. Mm -hmm. Um, but in there was a place in Boston called Forefront Records. Okay. And the guy that ran Forefront was named scotty and the other guy that ran it with him was benny but scotty was a fucking salesman um and this is before the internet you know it was like good and people were putting tracks like now you can just fucking cruise yeah. in your underwear and like oh what what's what's the top 10 and download it you know yeah which is actually what most people do i feel like um but uh yeah i would call and he would like and this is drum and bass like you don't hear a bass on a phone. So it was just drums. And he'd like, he'd play the records and he'd like put the phone up to the speaker. Oh, it like sound effect. And it like, oh, you hear that? It's like dirty. It's just like, yeah, yeah, give it to me. And then the record would show up at my house. And I'd be like, this is shit. Like, I'd order like, and, and these are imports too. So it's not like, like, you know, it's just like an A and a B side. And that's like, what, 12 bucks, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. It's not like now where you're paying like 99 cents for fucking tunes and you get to listen to them on your home system. Um, so I had so many shit records as a moral of that story. That's something that comes up all the time because um, I always love asking people who started on vinyl, you know, like that tangible aspect of going to the record store and listening. Like, um, have you heard of Ghetto Blaster before? Yeah, digging. Yeah, so Paul told me a great story. He lived, he lived in Chicago. And he worked at a record store and some Chicago house music record came in from this up and coming producer that he knew was so dope. And he bought all 35 records. He knew that he knew that they were the only record store that had them, bought every single one, 
and hid the rest of them in his basement and used a Sharpie to black out the entire record and was DJing and everybody was asking him for the record, right? And nowadays, like for my generation, like what is that tangible aspect for us? I don't know. Like it's nowadays, just- you just Shazam it in the club and then literally go to Beatport in the club and add it to your cart in the club. Dude, I know. Like there's no digging anymore. Like there's Barely. no, I remember, remember when, uh, Serato had a hide function, like they had a key yeah. function to do to hide like the name of the track. And that was before, um, Shazam. Sorry. Did I? Yeah. That was yeah. before Shazam. Um, mm-hmm. now Shazam is pretty good with dance music, but before it wasn't, you know, in the Serato days. Um, yeah. yeah now like, yeah, it's a well, whole unreleased whole track. Thing. People hold on these unreleased tracks for some never release these tracks, right? Like for a year, you want to rinse. Right. Like, yeah. oh, and and dub, plate no culture, dub plate culture in America, I mean, in, in the UK and everywhere, it was like, you know, like people are not going to know what that is. And that's like, yeah. you know, Google what a dub plate is, kids. Um, but these, <laughs> these UK guys would just come over here and they literally were gatekeeping. Like they yep. wouldn't give the US guys, like, you know, um, doing this documentary, we've, we've talked a lot with people about that like the the gatekeeping that went on in the drum and bass world mm. um and it, it's not like that anymore but no. um yeah so yeah. i want i want to ask you about the documentary here in a sec but i do want to ask you before when did you actually start producing because the first track that i can find from yours was your remix of atlantic connections rock steady do you remember that track all right you're gonna find out this wasn't the first la riots track but it was an early track of theirs, and it's amazing drum and bass, and I want to share it with you either way. This is the L.A. Riots remix of Atlantic Connections, Rocksteady. That is a sick track, dude. I downloaded that right away. Like, I was like, damn, this stands the test of time. It's so dope. He's he's actually from North Carolina, too. Really? Now he lives in Columbia. Atlantic Connection. Makes sense. Like, how how did you get from, I guess, the corporate America, Daniel, to I'm in LA riots, I'm going to be a drum and bass producer? Was there, like, a moment? Oh, no, no. Um, So we weren't doing the drum and bass stuff as LA riots. We just happened to do, like, we've done, like, three or four drum and bass tracks. Um, but yeah, like our first track was, uh, oh, um, scanners, scanners, low life. Yeah. Scanners, low life. Um, and then after that, I want to say maybe it was the Ting Tings. That's Mm. not my name. And then... What was Crime Wave? What what is that band from uh, Toronto? The guy's in a lot of trouble now for like, I think he's getting canceled or something for doing some 
shady shit with the girl that was a singer. Oh shit. Um sounds like a lot of people. Anyways, the name of the song was Crime Wave. Yeah. Let me stop this elevator music. But yeah, um but but then basically, um, you know, uh John and I had gotten together. He was living in North Carolina, I think after he'd been living in Phoenix for a while. Mm. And then I actually worked in casting, like casting commercials and stuff. Cool. Like that was my Hollywood job. Give me one second. Yeah. Turn down the AC a little bit. Sorry. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. But he moved down to um, over to L.A. and we started L.A. riots. It was kind of a joke when we started it. That's why, like, facts, I hate the fucking name. But really? Yeah. Hate the name. Uh, but it was kind of like uh, we did that track for Steve Aoki for um, the Scanners Low Life. It was like. You know, I was going out in L.A. and they were doing all these nights, Steve and uh, another guy named Frankie Chan. Yeah. So they were doing all these nights. Like, I think Tuesdays at Cinespace was, I think, a night called Fuck Yes or Fuck Yeah. I think it was called Fuck Yes or Fuck Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Um, and I would hang out with all these dudes. And uh, I don't want to say they were bad DJs. <laughs> You've already. <laughs> um, they were really bad back then. Um, but it was like, you know, that was like when the whole indie electro thing was going on. We were playing like fucking, you know, like a rap record over like a dance record, you know? For sure, um, man. And it was just really fun. And so I was going out to those and I started DJing at a night. I remember I made a mix CD and gave it to a promoter. And I think he was like, oh, you're the first person that's ever given me like a mix to like try to be a DJ like at my night. And I was like, oh, weird. <laughs> um, and then he put me on. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, it was like, it wasn't like, oh, how many Instagram followers do you have? Um, <laughs> cool, you're on. Show me your tits. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so 2003. Um, and we made this track and it was like, that was back when uh, Steve would um, put like 20 remixes of one song on a maxi single. Which is- Why am I taking another one of these biotins? <laughs> um, <Yeah. sorry. laughs> trying to go that way. Um, so um, yeah, uh, turned the track in. Steve was like, oh, you know, you can do this remix for this band the scanners if it's good we'll include it on this maxi single as basically the last track mm -hmm. you know um did the remix turned it in and he was like oh shit and i remember i think a track and the young americans were on mm -hmm. there and the young americans are now classics they had to change their name yeah i think there was like a young americans like christian dance group yeah. that was gonna sue them. <laughs> oh shit yeah. Uh, I was going to say something really out of line. <laughs> it's okay. Well, fucking small children. and But <laughs> but that's Catholics, not Christians. Um, I mean, but they're, yeah. Anyways, um, 
yeah so that was the first track and we didn't have a name and it was like he gave us like a month to come up with the name and then uh the month happened it was like april 29th we had to the end of the month so april 30th it was a 15 year anniversary of the la riots and that was all over the news and we were just like fuck it we'll call ourselves that i think john actually came up with the name yeah and then because we just figured oh we just made this track you know um this one track this was the rodney king riots yeah 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 that's so i was a, born in 92 june 92 and i graduated high school that year did you yeah but i was i was so that that's funny you in, probably in june of 92 i actually i graduated high school june of 92 great fucking year for us wasn't it yeah um that was, that yeah was a crazy time so named ourselves la riots and then literally kind of like the floodgates opened um oh is that maui yeah my mom just walked in the door that's okay you don't have to be that quiet mom she's trying to be really quiet no Um, we're we're being loud in here anyway um so uh yeah so that happened um and uh we were like oh la right that's the name we didn't think like the next week it got really hot in here so i just turned it down mom um the next week like all of the label a and r's from like fucking warner brothers and everybody were hitting us up to do remixes and we what? did like something for like kylie minogue and yeah yeah i saw that we we're supposed to do something for the cure and a bunch of stuff yeah so it kind of stuck and then before you know before too long we were touring the world and it was too late to be like oh we need to change the name so yeah <laughs> and then obviously like i didn't think like fuck like 15 years later i'd still be doing it Mm-hmm. It happened really quickly then, didn't it? Yeah. But I mean, there wasn't a lot of, it wasn't saturated like it is now. No, no. Like it made, it, it felt fresh, probably. Yeah. Right. One second. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, 15 years later, still doing it. Still doing it, baby. Wow. But you went through a lot of different stylistic changes with your sound. I mean, in 2008, when you released that track that I mentioned, you were doing a lot oh, of yeah. breakbeat, electro, indie dance. Like well, it was just like indie electro, like anything goes at that time. And then, Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, signed with uh, big agents and stuff like that and kind of got the Vegas residency. So had to make like Vegas style tunes. Yeah. And then basically when you know the thing with my dog happened and all that i just kind of like took a big step back and i was like none of this stuff's making me happy so i um for sure i started making what i want and you know kind of around like 2012 to when john pagnato got involved we were kind of still making those kind of tracks but also making a lot of house tracks because i actually really enjoyed playing like house and tech house back then Mm -hmm. and uh so we were making a lot of that stuff and we were signed to a record deal with fool's gold atrax label hell yeah and then you know once i went through that and um that whole thing i just was like you know what i'm just not gonna make that style of music anymore and now i make what i make and i've been making the same style for 
don't know, at least like the last like six or seven years. Yeah, for sure. It's it's really cool. And I know, you know, uh, Max Styler. we talked about you a lot when I interviewed oh, yeah. him. Oh, yeah. Love um, Max. He's the Good man. Such he's, having he, he's having a fucking moment. I love it. I, I hope it, it's going to continue to go well for him because he's always had the talent. But yeah. you, like him, you know, you were releasing on Musical Freedom, Dim Mac, Bygore, you know, tracks like Big Room, right? And then you come into this house world where you had made all these other types of music, but then you really start to lean into what you're talking about right now, like tracks that you love to make. And now, yeah. just so recently, you've you've gone into this like more minimal stuff, but you're kind of doing whatever right now, as you mentioned. But is it is it like is it not is it challenging for you to try and find new levels of creativity or is it more fun or like where are you at mentally with music right now when you're making new stuff um i don't really know i mean i'm just making stuff that makes me happy yeah absolutely i think that's a good answer i I feel like the stuff that i was making before when i wasn't making the big room stuff i feel like it it was good um yeah Big room stuff doesn't have a shelf life. I just want to make stuff that I'll be able to play 10 years from now, you know? And I don't play any of the old stuff. No um, way, yeah. Um, yeah, so I just want to be able to, like, be happy with what I'm making and play it, yeah, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. Hopefully, I still won't be doing this, but <laughs> hopefully, I'll just be full-timing it on the beach, but we'll see. Well. Uh, a track of yours that I believe will stand the test of the time is House Philosophy on In Rotation. Oh, yeah. That was our first, like, big, like, kind of house-ear signing. I know you guys are going to love this one. It's my favorite L.A. Riots track, and it's called House Philosophy on In Rotation. Things I love about this current house. in my opinion 2017 yeah like in rotation i know a lot of people listen to the podcast know what it is but you know it's like sort of the experimental house imprint of insomniac yeah it's like not their radio stuff yeah i feel like house philosophy man like really inspired people like me when i love house music but there was the only the dirty birds and the tool rooms that sort of felt like like this is what you have to sound like and then house philosophy came out in rotation and i was like wow like this is awesome yeah and it, it just was like you know it's no secret in the past five years what has happened with house music and tech house in the u.s and i feel like it's because of tracks like house philosophy yeah that track did actually really well for us um for me um yeah i think there's a reason though you know i think it's it's got a few million plays now which is good for a track that doesn't really have a vocal and and that's the thing like with the exception of the stuff i've made with max because we've made like three tracks that have been released um Mm -hmm. trying to think we did um run and we did call that love um and those are full vocal tracks but i don't enjoy i don't enjoy a lot of doing full vocal stuff i like just sample based or like just more just banging 
Like, I promise you on Bambosa yeah. that you guys did. All right, I'm going to let you guys listen to this track before he explains the backstory, and I think it's going to paint a pretty good picture. This one's called I Promise You by Max Styler and L.A. Riots off Bambosa. I promise you, you will have a good time because I said so. It's interesting because um, I Promise You is a vocal from Harry Romero. Do you know that story? Did he tell you that? No, we didn't get too much in that one. We talked a lot about uh, Run, actually, because I really like that track, too. Oh, yeah. I love that. Um, I actually, the first time I thought heard it, I was like, who is this guy? And he's like, oh, it's fucking Brux just pitched down. I was like, oh, cool. Because um, <laughs> that started out as a demo of mine called Proper Groove. Uh-huh. It's interesting because... I call that love started out as one of his tracks and they sent it to me and it was like a four minute houseier track, um, mm. houseier break. Um, and then I took that track and made it eight minutes and 15 like seconds long <laughs> and really dark kind of. And yeah. then I, I sent it back to our manager and I was like, You're probably not going to like this. <laughs> But, and I think because I've been in the scene so long, like I can be like, but yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I was like, I'm not changing it. And I was like, yeah. if Max doesn't like it, we'll just call it the remix. And I didn't think Max was going to like, I didn't think anybody was going to like it. Eight minute, 15 second long track. And Max loved it. And then Gorgon City loved it. Well, let's see if you guys love it too. This one's called I Call That Love by Max Styler in LA Riots featuring Laura White. Actually, some other labels tried to get it from us after it had been signed. Wow. Um, but we were like, no, <laughs> we can't do that. Because uh, I actually, funny story, uh, Gorgon City, FOMO from Gorgon City was actually, well, he was FOMO in the yeah. We were all on the same management together. Is Me, that Kai? Was that Kai or, or Matt? I don't oh. remember which one. Uh, I just said tall, tall guy? Yeah. The tall oh, guy. Yeah. yeah. Tall guy. Yeah. He lives in Chicago, actually, like two blocks away from me now. Oh. Oh, yeah. You know what? I knew that. So, yeah, because that, that roster was me, mm -hmm. Mastercraft, 
Congo Rock, Holy Beat Roots, Holy um, Felix Cartal, uh, Wow, FOMO. Um, I think there were a few other people that rotated in and out, but that was Lazaro Casanova. Um, that was the gist of it. Yeah, that was the the crew back in the day. And, you know, we were kind of like, there was the Mastercraft crew and then there was the Justice crew, you know? Right. Yeah, of course. Um, but yeah, um, so that track got signed by them. But the other track, though, um, uh, I promise you. Yeah. And then I'm, I want to get to the story of uh, the vocal from House Philosophy, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, that nobody knows about. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I'll tell you about that, too. But um, yeah, yeah. I promise you is actually it started out as a track um, that I got a sample off a of splice for that Siege had, had used. But I was like, I don't care. I love this vocal. Yeah. And so um, but his came out on, I think, Saved. Um, and uh, it was that vocal. I need your love. I want your love. Yeah. It just said that over and over again. Um, uh huh. Uh huh. All right. I need you. Yeah. Something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but then I, so Max and I started, I kicked it over to Max and then he changed the break a little bit, but he swapped it out and he put this vocal that he got from Instagram of Harry Romero on. Um, so it was when Anthony Atala from incorrect Mu music was doing the Anthony Atala, the, sorry, not the Anthony Atala, the incorrect boat parties yeah of course it was one of the first ones and harry romero was on it so oh. he was on his instagram you know doing a video and he's like uh you know basically saying i'm playing this party blah 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 uh and and he ended the video with uh uh i know you're gonna uh, i promise you you're gonna have a good time because i said so That's and then the video ends and then Max basically took that and put it in. And then I sent that to, because I, I had signed a couple of tracks to Circus at that mm -hmm. point. Yeah. So I sent it to, to Youssef. Youssef loved it. He was playing it. And then without saying it, and I was like, yo, do you want to sign this record? And, uh, you know, that's why I originally sent it to him. But he, I feel like he, uh, and he knew the story of where the vocal came from. So just one day I got this random email that Yusef had written to, um, to Harry Romero. And he was like, yo, Harry, I just played this on Saturday. It went off. You should sign it. And Harry was like, okay. And the, th the funny thing is Harry and I <laughs> have the same agent and I had sent it to our agent. Well, we have the same agency. He has a different agent, but I have a relationship with that agent as well. I yeah. sent it to that agent and I was like, can you send this to Harry Romero? I want him, I want him to sign it. Yeah. And you know, it's different when Yusef sends it to you, you're going to listen to it. You're going to sign it. And he signed it. Um, Holy but, shit. That's awesome. But house philosophy, actually, when that came out, that was the number one track on Beatport for in rotation for one year straight. And it remained on their um, chart for two years because once it gets to one year, the, the months start falling off. Right. And even, even up until 24 months, it was still on the charts, meaning that it's still the last month of it 
You know what I'm saying? Like the yeah, initial crazy. had fallen off and it was still, yeah. Um, <laughs> that vocal is from, and if you remember, it goes, um, my philosophy is the new house has to have at least all the, th- the things I love about this current house. Yeah. That's the vocal. That vocal came from an episode of some TV show on home HGTV where they flip houses. Oh my yeah. God. I mean, think dude. about it. The guy's like, um, it makes sense. My philosophy is the new house. And then we, you know, obviously just kind of made the cadence difference. Um, took out some pauses, added some, and now it, it goes, my philosophy is the new house has to have at least all the things I love about this current house, things I love about this current house, things I love about. And we just wash that out with reverb, repeat it. And then the, uh, is like a native American chant that we got yeah. from spice. Um, and then <laughs> house philosophy. Um, we just chopped that up for the, not even the main breakdown. It doesn't say house philosophy until the last breakdown. Yeah. And that song was like seven minutes long, six minutes long. I oh, like yeah, long yeah. songs. I like longer tracks. Um, I actually haven't played that one in a while, but I, and I realized why, because when, when we made that one, we were so used to making um, big house, big, big house, big room tracks <laughs> yeah. where the baseline doesn't come in until after the breakdown. Yep. And so we first couple of house tracks we made like that. And and the thing is with me, like I I like mixing for like three or four minutes, you know, like so I'll mix and then I'll drop from the drum and bass days, I'll I'll drop the breakdowns over each other and then have them the bass lines or the breaks or the, the drops drop on top of each other. Yeah. Um so I would have no problem mixing stuff that way, but um as you know. Uh, more of the EDM guys are coming over to electronic music yeah. or sorry to tech house and house and everything. They're making shorter tracks and getting straight to the point with the bass lines, which I like. I like the straight to the point part part. I don't like the um how short the tracks are though. It's just yeah. like two drops it's like usually. Just too much too quickly. You don't let it like breathe. Spotify radio edit better be under three minutes type shit, right? Yeah. Three minutes twenty is actually what a radio is supposed to be oh really yeah 320 um i just put out a a track on friday that yeah and i had to do a radio for it sometimes i'll put out tracks and i'll be like yeah i'm not doing a radio edit (laughs) i love that i love that man (laughs) yeah because it's not a radio track you know yes yep like when i do the tracks for circus you know which is like circus is one of the like you know that's like for a lot of people that's a bucket list like tastemaker label you know absolutely i'm not making a vocally i mean they do have amazing vocal tracks and i'm sure they those tracks need radio edits but like the stuff i'm making for them is not like radio edit stuff yeah i mean you're making that for the fans of that music who don't really care they want to hear the whole song yeah i remember at one one time i put something out on what label fuck miguel bastida's label i forget what that is it's out of spain Mm -hmm. um but yeah, my manager, I remember my manager hit them up. When's this coming out on Spotify? And I was like, <laughs> I was like nobody cares. Like back in those days, like this was like five years ago, you know, nobody yeah. really cares Spotify. Now everybody's like, that's where all the metrics come from. It's you know? frustrating, man. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's hard to keep up and I don't keep up anymore. I really don't like, I mean, up until this last month, I would post on Instagram five times a year. And now this, um, I've been playing good shows and just feeling good about myself. So I've been putting up more content of me, like actually DJing. I know. I noticed that records. Yeah. Cause I'm trying to, you know, fuck with the algorithm a lot, but like, it's, it's actually really good because like, even though I'm not in the algorithm, like I'll still get like 70, 80 comments on stuff when you Um, don't post a lot. Right. And I don't post a lot. Now I've posted, I think three or four times in the last month I'm trying to, and I, I, I just posted on Friday. I think I just posted on Friday and I have to post again this week because I had an, a release come out on Friday that I didn't post for because I posted the extended preview of the documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing too. We have to like, I, I was in the content. I am in the content game, obviously. But I like, dude, I rang myself dry. Like just thinking I got to be in the algorithm. I got to do this. And then the second yeah. I take a break and come back, I get more engagement. And it's like, I want to be above the algorithm almost. Like if I'm, if I'm a fan, like you probably respect that artist or your friend or whoever it is taking some time for themselves. And then when they're ready to come back, what they're putting out is like what they're excited about. And that's how I feel right now. That's where I'm at. I, I'm so frustrated seeing these fucking people on my timeline that like do these skits, like, sorry but like there's some people that like you can tell that it's just not they're just trying to like like you know they're in some board meeting with their fucking manager and they're like you gotta come like get some content you need to maybe run around like and fucking put a dildo on your forehead (laughs) it's not them that's that's like the fine line that like yeah no and it's not and it's just like if I run into you, I don't want to hang out with you anymore, <laughs> like, but I don't want to unfollow you either because then... <laughs> that's the worst of all. <laughs> Somebody unfollows me. I don't hang out with them in real life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, the, it's like I saw this Christian Bale comment a long time ago. It's like, if you have a problem with me, call me. If you don't have my number, then I don't care. Right. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Like it, you, you, yeah. you, you can't matter to me. You can't, can't worry about everybody else's opinion that's it's just too much to deal with man and it's why like i don't know today as an artist is is there's so much opportunity with social media but it's also you know, very it's draining just, you know i i was going through beatport last night digging mm-hmm. there's just too much good fucking music like yeah that's there's so I mean, much and like disposable throwaway tunes that are good that you want to play, but like they're not memorable, but they're still good. Like, Oh, this will thump on a system. You know, I'll play this for like the next few gigs and then it's, you know, but there's kids are making good shit now. Yeah. And it sucks that like, yeah, you have to fucking put a dildo on your head and run around with a microphone instead of like just you can't make good music isn't good enough anymore it's so saturated daniel i mean dude forty thousand songs get uploaded to spotify every single day so like really is that the number yeah i just went to ade and i went to spotify masterclass and it was fucking bullshit oh who did that who was on there was kramer on there no he wasn't austin he's not like doing too much with them anymore i don't think like he's he's moved on from what i understand um to tomorrow he's not with spotify 
I don't think so. He does Tomorrowland radio stuff with them. I think he is like sits on the advisor board sometimes for these playlists. But um, I have a friend who's been talking to him recently, and he's moved on other things, from my understanding. He has his oh, own. Weird. Maybe that's why I don't get on playlists as much anymore. <laughs> yeah, wow. no, that that's unfortunately probably true. Yeah. Because you have it's, to have relationships with a lot of these people, you know? You do, and they say you don't. They're like, no, you don't. Like, we have our radar uh program we have all these playlists i know but they also have fucking spotify accounts and they follow whose music they like to hear and then they're like and that's what they're listening to dude pitching my song to spotify it goes through an algorithm like what do you mean i how do i stand a chance like i gotta get on here once because i don't know it's just it's that's like why i'm making a documentary and fuck this dude honestly no i'm joking i'm still gonna do music <laughs> <laughs> but i don't know i just need to get like i don't know i just do me at this point in my life i don't care straight up man honestly what so what's what's life been like in bali for you You're surfing all the time you said you got your little you got your computer is your studio type thing i do i brought my decks over you got um, your decks okay surfboard and uh yeah i just hang out uh have a small group of friends very small um bro bali goes off more than like <laughs> i was gonna say ibiza but i've never been to ibiza i know showed twice at ibiza though um for shows um <laughs> that's a whole other story and i don't want to get into it okay. um, but uh but yeah uh i mean literally like the best djs come there it's like more live than like la because like there's so many fucking clubs there yeah so fucking many. awesome i live in uh bouquet which means it's like the bottom section bouquet means hill so it's like okay. the where all like the super nice beaches and stuff are nice. and there's a club there that um all the old tal group guys and alex cordova from like excess and stuff cool um run it's called savaya have you seen it it's the um, one that sits on the cliff nicole mudaber did a circle session i think oh was- yeah yes Yes, yeah. that's why I know it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that's like right down the street from my house. That's pretty much the only place I'll go out to because it's like I don't leave my neighborhood pretty much. Um, I don't leave that side of the town. I don't go. There's a, a part of uh, Bali called Chengu, which is where like all the partying goes on. Mm-hmm. I mean, everywhere in Bali, all the partying goes on. But like those places specifically are where all the expats like go and they live and they fucking you know have their expensive gym memberships um, are there a lot of locals there or like wh- who exactly is like the the demographic i mean there's a lot of locals because you know the locals um have been there for a long time you know um, they define the culture absolutely yeah but a lot of the western businesses are are owned by westerners you know and they're mm making all that money and it's going back to their western you know thing it's interesting because like like the average indo makes like three to four million uh rupiah a month which is a around two hundred dollars a month yeah and then you have the westerners that come in with all the money that are very poor in their own country but they come there and they're they're wealthy um yeah but like i was reading this thing the other day and it's just like you know the average 
endo will make a hundred rupiah per day, which it comes out to just below seven bucks. Gosh. And then a day. Yeah. And then, so if you go to a coffee shop and it, it's cited this specifically, uh, and a coffee is like 45 K. And the person that's serving it to you is making a hundred K that whole day. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yes, my, that is. My mom's, um, my mom's endo. Okay. That's why I like, yeah, I kind of care about that stuff a little bit more. I was going to say, you definitely like, you look like you're from everywhere, honestly, Daniel, but now. I did a DNA test the other day. Um, 100% that bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, but I did. There he is. (laughs) Hold on. I'm going to pull it up. Yeah. Um, I've always wanted to go to that part of the world. I haven't been able to, but when I've, I've gone to India and that was a really amazing experience. DNA test. This guy. Yeah, I'm part. There you go. I'm part. Uh, I have some Indian blood in me. Dot, not feather. Yeah, but like I don't know. That is gonna work. There we go. I can see it. I can see it. So that part of the world and that part of the world. There we go. So now I really know who to. Yeah, I'm literally a part of everything. I'm Scottish, Irish, <laughs> Southern India. Southeast Asian, which is Indo, um, right. Filipino, Chinese, Sweden, Denmark, Wales, Dai, D-A-I. I don't even know what the fuck that is. <laughs> um, Bengal and Korean. So Holy shit, dude. Um, from Southern China down. Um, yeah. It's like very small percentages, but like the major stuff, Scottish, Irish. Mm-hmm uh southern india uh asia and uh, southeast asia which is malaysia and indonesia and northern philippines are what i am a majority of but all this is like i just got this like a year within the last year it's crazy what website is that that's ancestry.com which i think ancestry dna i'm gonna do that i've been hearing about yeah it's crazy it's like so inexpensive but it changes all the time yeah Um, more people do it right 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 like i i um yeah because the the filipino part of me that's so cool yeah it's it's good to know that stuff obviously wow yeah and i've i've actually connected with because this connects you with people that you're like they're like oh you're related to this person if they're part of you know, well, I don't know if it's strictly Ancestry.com. I'm sure like 23andMe and all them. I'm sure they yeah. have some kind of loose partnership. That's what yeah. I've heard of. But there's a reason that you've uh, come back to the U.S. recently, and it's uh, because of this film you're doing, the Amen Brother film. And yeah. It's based around, the, you told me, the most sampled piece of music ever? Yeah, it's it's been sampled like millions of times. It's and the band's never really been paid for it. Yeah, the video that you guys put up today, the preview, uh, I was so glad you put that up today because I, I don't know why it never clicked for me, but at the end of that Lady Gaga song with uh, Elton John, it's just oh, yeah. straight drum and bass breakdown. And it's so yeah, yeah. sick. Yeah. And I was like, that's what it is. And then all the other songs. So I want to hear all about it, man, because it really is amazing. And it's super interesting. 
Yeah, I um, was watching TV uh, last night and a Sonic the Hedgehog commercial came on, had that break, um, was watching like Discovery Channel or whatever. And one of those crime show commercials came on, had that break. Oh, my God. Um, I mean, it's yeah, it's a it's about a seven second drum sample um, solo break uh, from a song in 1969 by a, a mixed race band called the, the Winstons. Mm-hmm. And that went on to be like one of the foundations of hip hop and electronic music. Um, yeah, and the band's just never been paid for it. Um, they still around or are they still alive? No, only one member's alive. The okay. drummer, GC Coleman, um, passed in 2006. Okay. But like, there's a lot of like, just like, we have a lot of like aha moments in the documentary. I mean, there's tons of like, videos on youtube and stuff that have millions of plays about the amen break but like nobody really like tells the true story and a lot of them get it wrong um but they don't talk about the man um and uh like it's to a point where like if you google gc coleman or you google amen break or sorry the winstons um some other like mixed race band or sorry no it's not even a mixed race band it it Legit is like two other black guys come up that aren't even in the band. What the fuck? Yeah. Um, so you're on a mission. Yeah, yeah. It's like trying to right a wrong, pretty much. Um, but like, we have a lot of like, you know, the the narrative is that he died without ever knowing about his contribution to to modern music. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, like, even in the in the preview that we put up, uh, I put on my Instagram last week um but we have a an instagram for the film called amen brother film and then amenbrotherfilm.com also has it up but um yeah like uh you know Questlove's in it goldie a bunch of people and they they talk about how he had no idea about this before he died like he had no clue um and the thing is like we have the phone call where he was actually told by james brown's manager like about his drum break because they happen to be recording a documentary on James Brown's manager when he called uh, GC Coleman because they were friends. Um, yeah, and yeah, it's going to be in the film. Part of it's on the um, in the preview, but we have just a lot of like, it, you know, we talk about the fact that the band broke up because this certain member of the band went behind their back and tried to get all the money. Um, and the interesting thing about the the break is that it was recorded in 1969 and nobody's ever been able to recreate it. Like no like you know now if you want reverb or whatever you just turn a little dial, you know. Yeah. But they even with everything, you know, um all the technology we have today, they nobody can can make that break again. Um that's unbelievable. Yeah. So it's um it's it's got some legs on it. You know, when we were in LA, we just, um, interviewed King Brit, uh, Philly. Um, we interviewed, um, uh, Fotech. That was a big one. Yeah. Um, who has decided, who has offered to score the film, which is big because that guy's like scoring big Hollywood films now and has been for the last like 20 years. But he's just like, you know, this this story needs to be told. And it's cool because when we put it up too, 
um, we put up the um, trailer like a month and a half ago and like eats everything and like Mark from four hero and Goldie and all these people, you know, Goldie's actually in the film, but the other guys, like they all posted it to their Instagrams without like, we have no connection to them. They just were like, you know, this even eats everything was like, this film needs to be made. Like all these people are like, you know, true music heads are like really behind it. Um, So yeah, we're, um, we're still getting interviews for it, but yeah, we put up like a 13 minute preview. Um, and, uh, it's my, my good friend that I grew up with, not really grew up with, but like around 95, we started DJing together, learning to DJ. What's his name? Uh, Joseph Spate. He goes by Proto J. Shout out Joseph. That's amazing. Yeah. He's like, it's kind of been incredible because I haven't been on the road, like getting interviews and stuff. I've just, I'm more of like, feel like a facilitator sure um, producer um you know i oh you want to talk to this person like i can get you to them you know um <laughs> yeah uh and yeah i sat in on the interviews and yeah it's gonna be really good like he just he knows more about that break than anybody like nerd okay. stuff so yeah. is so he's conducting so it's a documentary is it shot like in a unique style or is it just like interview 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 b-roll like how are you guys going about the actual production process well we haven't gotten to that because we've edited all on our own wow. but we took meetings with people but i will say this if you watch the documentary like a lot of people that are like filmmakers and people in the, the industry they've all commented they're like yo this is edited really cool like yeah, so um, I ask because it is cool because you guys yeah. aren't experts, right? Like it's done automatically. No. no, I remember. So like two years ago, I was flying in to the U.S. for some shows, and like I said, I've known Joseph like almost thirty years now, mm-hmm. um, and uh, he um, he was always telling me about this film he was going to make, and I think he started working on it like hardcore working out on it around 2016 or 2017. And so around 2020, he sent it to me um, when I was on a layover. And uh, I don't know, sometimes, you know, when your friends are like, hey, you gotta, I'm doing this, blah, blah, blah. And you're just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. You know, this is not cool. <laughs> Absolutely, you know? yeah. But I watched this footage I think he sent me like 30 minutes of footage of this really badly pieced together, like (laughs) kind of like extended clip thing that he did. Um, Mm. And I was like, all right, I'll watch it. So I was on a layover at JFK and I, uh, I watched it and I literally called him back and I was like, bro, I'm coming there. Like, and I just booked a flight and I went straight there and we, I was there for a week and we, um, we just watched a lot of music documentaries, um, talked about like how we wanted to edit it, talked about the story, talked about, because, you know, there's so much more to this story than just like the drum break. There's also like the fact that they were a mixed race band in like 1969. You know, this, this, this record was the B side to a single that went on to win a Grammy and sell 2.5 million copies. You know, like it wasn't like, and 
And this was a band that was touring like the Chitlin circuit, which nobody really like has really dove into what that actually is, you know, and it's kind of, it's the, the venues throughout the like segregated United States that like black bands basically had to play in, you know? Um, and this was a mixed race band that got together with a white producer and basically like captured lightning in a bottle and uh crazy yeah and so it's i mean fuck like virgil who actually this is the one year anniversary of his death like yeah. he named the um the last louis vuitton collection that he made was named after this break and he talks about the fact that like this band has never been paid for it you know he was actually supposed to be in this documentary we were supposed to interview him for it but, but when we went to go interview him um yeah he kind of it was at three points that festival that happens down in miami yeah yeah he came off stage and i read this thing that joseph put up today about it on his instagram uh because i was on the phone constantly with joseph like yo are you getting the interview blah blah because blah, goldie was sorting it out for us yeah and he was like, yo, he's like, it's really weird. Like he got off stage and he looked like he just crushed that DJ set, but he looked like he was just in another world. Like he wasn't talking to anybody. Oh. He wasn't like smiling. He was just looking down. He wasn't looking at his phone or anything. And he just like left. And obviously now we know that he's a few days later, like he passes away, you know? So he, or maybe it was a month. I don't know. But, you know, um, he, and he knew you know, yeah, he obviously so knew what was going on with him. Um, but yeah, like this break is like everywhere, you know, like fuck, like David Bowie, Oasis, Slayer, NWA, <laughs> Eric B. Rakim, you know, Salt and Pepper, like fucking Street Fighter, uh, Skrillex, Futurama, Skrillex, the Powderpuff Girls theme song, you know, like. It's like everywhere. It's just like gotten to that point where people just feel like it's just public domain. Yeah. But it's, I, but it's not. No, that's the thing too. It's like, there's so much about the band here, but I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned for a copyright. And uh, one of the things I heard from a lot of people is get a lawyer or a publisher before you ever get a manager or an agent if yeah. you're, when you're in the music industry. Because people are out there to, not to get you necessarily, but like, this is the perfect example, man. This is honestly, the more I hear about this, Dana, the more interested and passionate I am. Like, I I can kind of see why you were like so into it and wanting to help right away because there's just a lot of depth to it and, and purpose. And uh, what you guys are doing with it is so dope, man. Yeah, it's actually interesting. Um, sorry, I got this text. And uh, yeah. there was like a, a Google Hangout or like a chat room. And... Uh, um yeah it's just talking about how on this google hangout um virgil and goldie were um were uh talking about our film in this google hangout and that was right before he was supposed to um to do the interview for it it's crazy sorry i just got this and it was from joseph so i actually no, had to, fine. It's on, to look on, at the on. phone um but yeah um we're still working on it 
trying to get, you know, and we don't want to make it like it's, it's, we're not trying to make it like a, a drum and bass jungle like story. Yeah, of course. You know, about how it's influenced all music and um, yeah, still trying to get some interviews. We got a, a bucket list of people we want to get in the film. Um, and we actually have some interest from a lot of big people in the music and film industry that want to get involved. Just being in LA for two weeks was like really good for us because we we had a lot of good productive meetings, yeah. got a lot of good interviews, and then just kind of learned a lot just talking to people because we're not filmmakers, you know? Yeah. Um, but like I said, like the way that the film was put together, I remember that week that I went there to work with Joseph on the film. Mm-hmm. We The whole point of me going there was taking that 30 minutes of like he good footage i mean and and we have hundreds of hours of footage but um we needed to make something that we could send out to people to show them that no we actually kind of know what we're doing because they're just like oh wait you're like you're djs you know (laughs) Um, but i remember i left and we hadn't done anything we didn't like we just couldn't figure out but we laid a lot of like the foundation for like where it was going to go and then yeah one day joseph just called me he's like bro i've been up for like two days straight like cutting this down because i was like yo we got to get it down to five minutes Mm -hmm. and he gave me he got it to 13 (laughs) (laughs) i was like nobody's gonna watch a 13 minute thing um but yeah they did it and we're doing it with with uh gc's family so you know we're trying to do the right thing yeah, absolutely, man. Well, kudos to you guys, man. I, I'm excited to see it continue to evolve and um ready for the world to understand the truth behind Amen, brother. Yes. Doing God's work, man. <laughs> so all things considered, you're you're going back to Bali soon, but was it good to be back in the US for a little while? Yeah. I mean, it's always good to see my friends and my family. Um I uh, need to see a few more friends. I'm going to, I'm basically here until uh, I play New Year's Eve in San Diego. Oh, cool. What are you doing? Are you, uh, oh, at the, the, what is it called? The, I can't remember the name of that, but it's at Petco Park. No, I'm not doing, I think that's the next, is that New Year's Day? Did they announce that? I think, I don't know. Dude, San Diego. Just, yeah, I was, there. I was actually, I didn't know that they did, but I was just with Fisher um, the other day in Atlanta. I was there for a oh, show. Oh, nice. My friends put on that show, Collective Presents. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Chris. Yeah, yep. Chris Den, yep. He's the man. Yeah. Chris Den, yep. uh, I love that guy. Randomly, just surfed with him in Bali. They were all out there. No way. And, uh, yeah. And uh, the promoter that works for the guy sorry i don't know if he's a promoter but the guy that works for um uh chris out there matul do you know matul yeah yep yep so randomly um chris was like yo i'm in bali and ryan <laughs> sex panther do you know ryan sex yeah panther? he's like ryan's gonna dj and i don't dj in bali i haven't dj'd yet in bali i'm when i get back i'm going to um but i've just been enjoying my time there yeah. Um, um, but he was like, yo, like Ryan's going to DJ. It's our friend, our friend's getting married and it's his after party at, um, 
at uh, at this club or this, yeah, this little club in uh, in my neighborhood. So I was like, all right, I'll come out. And I went out and Ryan hasn't DJed in so long. <laughs> uh, and he plugged in his USB stick and it wasn't working. Oh. So I think he had told me to bring in a USB stick. So I did. And I'm, I'm, I'm honestly not that guy that just shows up with a USB stick. I just, for sure. Um, but I did for that time. And I ended up, <laughs> me, and, me and Ryan went back and forth for a little bit. But yeah, and it happened to be the guy, Matul, that throws all those events in Atlanta. Yep. And uh, the next day I was doing one of these on-camera interviews at the W Hotel, mm-hmm. like in studio though, with the yeah. person like there. Right. Not this cheap thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, he was like, he was like sitting there and I was like, yeah, I think that's the guy from last night. And I like pulled up his Instagram. And I was like, oh yeah, it is. So I ended up talking to him, but I was like, he's like, yeah, we're doing Fisher. And I was like, oh, cool. Put me on the guest list. So then, um, and I've known Paul since, fuck, I've known Paul like probably like 10 or 12 years now. Cuts so days. Um, yeah man he's been around people don't know how long he's been around yeah a lot i hate when these people are like bro he just came out of nowhere and i'm like no and no he didn't <laughs> yeah and actually when people were making edm and all that shit i always thought it was really cool because they were these like crazy australian surfer dudes that just played house music you know Dude, so um, true man and if you knew his personality you just couldn't take him seriously as a dj you yeah. know you couldn't but he was good um yep and then, you know, and then when he surfs, he's like amazing. No shit. You know, he, I mean, he was, he was a, a pro surfer. Yeah. yeah. Pro surfer. Like, and you know, follow the fish was like a YouTube, like, yes. Yes. Where he would like literally put a dildo on the end of a microphone and interview. Yeah. Charlie Slater, follow know? the fish TV dude is, is yeah, he was like, a, um, like the Johnny Knoxville of like the, yes, surf. dude. He's, yeah. I, I, he I showed me all those videos back in the day. And I was that's hilarious. I was like this guy, he was always the funniest guy in the world. And now, like, yeah. So people think it's like an overnight thing with him. And I'm like, not at all. And no. yeah. But um, yeah, I ended up having a night off. So I went and hung out with him. And then right before we dropped him off at his hotel, he was like, I was like, he asked when I was going back to Bali because he's coming to Bali in February. So we're going to, I think he's coming for the whole month. So we're just going to hang and surf and stuff. But um, yeah, he was saying that on the first, and I don't think it was announced at that point. He was like, well, stay, stay, um, stay the first. Don't leave. Cause I was like, yeah, I'm I'm playing new year's Eve and then I'm flying back to Bali on the first. And he was like, no, stay. He's like, cause there's a party on new year's day. That's going to be, you're going to want to come to. Yeah. 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 But I'm actually leaving the first, so you're leaving no matter what. <laughs> yeah, I just want to get. I just want to get home. I, I hate do. leaving out of a bag for so long, dude. I mean, I've been away for a month and a half, and I got another like month and month. a week to go. Yeah. Are you, you going to stay at your mom's until you go out there? What What's the plan? Yeah, till till I hit San Diego. Okay, um, that's good. Well, at least yeah. You get but home. I yeah, I did like L.A. and Raleigh and. Hawaii and Atlanta and Cleveland and a few other spots. Um, and you know, like it's not, it's not like when I lived in LA and I would fly out, play, you know, two or three shows, then come home for like a day or two, but at least be home, you know, and like get to do laundry and 
you know, <laughs> grocery shop and stuff like that. So yeah, cook for like yourself. This, you know, and I would do these tours in like Europe and Australia before where I'd be, you know, on the road as well, mm-hmm. but not as long as I've been doing when I come back to the States. Cause I, every time, this is like the third time I've come back to the States in two years and I'll be here for like two, two and a half months each time. Um, but now I've decided when I go back now that the world's opening up a lot more, because we were in lockdown a lot longer than the, the uh, Asia was in lockdown, you know, Australia, New Zealand, everything. Yeah. Man. Um, they, they didn't have, it was crazy. The first time I came back and I, I played prism in Chicago. Did you? Me and Nick Fanciuli. Yeah. And I was like, whoa this is crazy like there's people without masks on and oh yeah masks. bumping <laughs> yeah um you know because i mean i think up until like earlier this year we were still in lockdown in in, in indo um like really like where you had to like quarantine to fly into the country and you know wear a mask when you're in your car um but uh yeah so no now that Asia has opened up and, and having a New Zealand passport, I'm able to um, play in Australia um, cool. and enter just like a, you know, I'm a pretty much, I go through the same line as Australian citizens. Oh, I did that actually. Nice. Um, I, I know they're like, they're, they're friendly and, and, you know, but I didn't know the passport can overlap. like Yeah. That. Um, I, um, cause I did a show uh, in Perth a couple months ago which is just like a three and a half hour flight and that's like the good thing now about mm-hmm. living on the other side of the world like before when i lived in la you know and you <laughs> have to fly to like florida or new york you'd be like oh shit like a f- what going that way is like four and a half hours but coming back is like five and a half yeah know? yeah yeah right um, and you're just like oh my god like i'm gonna be on this five and a half hour flight like now i'm just like whoa five and a half hours that's nothing like when i first flew in <laughs> had a i flew to singapore which is like just like a quick two-hour flight but then singapore to narita tokyo um seven hours and then i did seven hours from tokyo to um honolulu seven hours and i was like whoa that's nothing like because when you get on the singapore to sf flight that's 18 hours and that's the flight i usually take home mm-hmm. 18 hours on a plane dude that's one, so long one plane yeah the longest commercial flight i googled that i was like is this normal but the longest <laughs> commercial flight is 18 and a half hours what's that i think it's uh i'm pretty sure it goes into singapore let me check I believe um, that, yeah. Um, Dude, that's so long. Commercial flight in the world, and it's it's not even like it's a it's a international plane, but sitting for that long. New York to Singapore. New York to Singapore, eighteen and a half hours. Eighteen hours, fifty minutes, actually. And then oh. right below that is five minutes. Below that is Singapore to Newark. <laughs> Wait, I think I'm wrong because it's got all these other flights that are before Singapore to Los Angeles. Yeah, something's not right here. Oh, oh 17 hours and 50 minutes. Yeah, that's still 18 hours. 
Yeah. So great. Yeah. That's a long time. Yeah. I remember the last time I think, Oh, one time during COVID that route was closed actually. And we were having to fly from Jakarta to Qatar, <laughs> that country, and then Qatar to um, to to JFK. And I remember going around the other way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then when I flew back, I think I flew the other way, um, which is kind of cool to like actually go around the world. Yeah, that is that is actually pretty pretty badass. Yeah, I um, but I remember I had missed getting coffee that day because it was just like so go 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 and when you drink coffee every day you, and you don't get it oh yeah you get, like, you get just super nauseous and a headache and everything and i yeah, just had the terrible. worst time on that flight like somewhere over the atlantic it just sucked dude yeah. i know coffee gets you like that doesn't it i've tried to wean off but i enjoy it the actual taste of it and but I just, I don't need it though. I'm one of those people I can wake up at my flights at five in the morning. I got to wake up at three. No problem. Like right out of bed. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that too. I, I think we all, people don't know that it's actually a behavioral addiction too. Like it's not like, Oh, I need coffee. Yeah. It doesn't do anything for me. I just do it more for the routine and the social aspect of it. Yeah, for sure. I agree. I love having, I mean, when I was in Amsterdam for ADE, I would just like sit at a coffee shop and have an espresso and, you know, kind of just like enjoy that I, aspect of it. I missed it. I, I, I'm, I've i never been to ADE. I really want to go. I think next year I'll go. I think if the film gets like done in time. Dude, I think we're I'll throwing a Hood Politics right? event. You got to come and got to get on that lineup. Wait, did Hood Politics do one this year? No, we didn't, but I went and I went to the conference and networked and uh, it's crazy what's going on with the label, man. A lot of people know hood politics. So I think. We're oh, working. dude, that label. I love that. I I'm on there. Um, I did a track with rewire recently. Did you? Yeah. Um, that they want, but like, weren't something's go weird going on with the, the, the vocal. Um, so I'm, I'm your guy, Daniel. I'm the A&R, bro. I was asking Susan about it today. I go, I go, hey, I'm I'm talking to LA Riots tonight. He goes, oh, we're trying to work out something with some vocals. So let me, let me. Yeah, um, no, it's just like, it's, it's, I don't think that one's going to work out, but I think we're going to get another vocal on there. But I have a couple other tracks. I actually, um, I, I play a lot of the, um, I, the thing that I think, does really well for hood politics aside from like them putting out like good quality tracks is like the bootleg things that you guys are doing the edits man yeah dude they do so well wait so wait wait who's lake shore drive or jake wait. shore drive jake shore drive close you do stuff with him sometimes yeah yeah, yeah he's in chicago he's a great friend of mine yeah okay but do you put out tunes yeah okay that's what i thought too I mean, I don't keep up with a lot of stuff. I, I get it peripherally, <laughs> but um, because you guys don't have a fucking promo list. I don't know what's going on or I'm uh, not on it. Dude, no one's on it. It is it is uh, actually, it is uh, going to be going down the first of the year. I've been working on the list and- uh, Because getting... like, I hate like hitting up people and being like, hey, can you send me this track like individually? Like that's how I am with a, a few big labels that I also know don't have promo lists because they want to chart, obviously. I um, don't, we don't do it. <laughs> we don't do it because of that. We do it. 
Because you're unorganized. <laughs> yeah, yes, man. I came I mean, in like a I year just, ago. I mean, obviously, like I, I've been on, I've released on the label. Um, yeah, which it's a great label to release on. Like it's very fan focused. It's a great artist experience. I mean, this Susan's just like the best dude in the world. Um, I mean, exactly. Um, he says what up, by the way. So does Nutty. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Nutty as well. I um, but I have a few bootlegs that I play in my sets and people are all the time like what is that track blah 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 and I'm like like I did uh an insomniac um live stream and I played this I made this edit of girls uh with the Janet Jackson all the girls at the party like, yeah yeah music. and like everybody was in the comments like what is that track and I just never did anything with it but I recently was like, oh, wait, I should give that to Hood Politics and put it out. Um, yes. I have a couple more. I think I did. I did a, I did a Rhythm as a Dancer on that bootleg series for you guys. Dip yeah, you up. did. Yeah, Dip with Acid Roll. I think it, it Acid Roll out. does so well in the sets. Like, apparently Max Styler plays that every set, and he always, like, texts me. He's like, bro, this <laughs> tune is so good. Yeah. It is one of our best tracks, man, without a doubt. I, I, yeah, I've found, I, that's what I hate about using Splice. Like I found three other tracks that use that same vocal. <laughs> it happens. You had it first though. Yeah. I feel like people were just like, yeah, I don't care. Cause that's how I am. I'm just like, I'll make a better track. I, I love that you brought up the promo list because you know what? I find it actually really humbling now. Not that we've like, could have done a better job, but like people really want our music and that's yeah. amazing you know yeah i mean because unless like stuff's getting sent like right to my your inbox, gmail like that i sent this invite to. yeah like i a lot like i can't remember the last time i went into beatport and looked up my artists and like you know my labels and artists releases have come up like I just don't do that anymore like I'll, I'll I just like hear stuff in sets like that I'll see on Instagram or something and I'll be mm -hmm. like oh whoa that tune sounds good and I'll just go look for that tune specifically because you're just you're getting inundated with like fucking music and information all the time yeah and I just yeah I just had to step back from all of that so now mm -hmm. like I just play what I want you know what's really good, by the way, speaking of what I want, that yeah. M-A-S-F, I don't know who they are, but they Mas did that. Tippin. Oh, my God. I heard that, like, in Hawaii. This friend of mine played it for me. And I was like, what is this? And yeah, then, dude. And then I played it in, uh, I played it at Sound the other night for Space Yacht. And, God, that song is so ratchet and so good. It's, it's so sick, so man. Good. It, it's it's been that? it's well received like at every level like uh diplo yeah. plays it like you love it i love it fans yeah. love it dj my love it. my sets have gotten like i don't know i go through phases and right now i'm on like a very like hood phase of like <laughs> fuck yeah, yeah bro we got the music for you then um i'm gonna send you some unreleased i'm gonna send you some unreleased okay. for you Good. i need it for my sets because um yeah have anybody it, it's because I go I go in spurts of playing like you know like I'll go home for like six months and surf every day and not play music but like get all these tunes and then it's like oh like I'll have two months of gigs 
and I'll have like a thousand new tracks over that six month period. Yeah. And I don't play sets, you know, and like when I get places, I'm just like, oh, can I play for like three or four hours? And they're like, yeah, you know, sometimes. Yeah. But it was interesting because it sound at, at Space Yacht, you know, I had an hour set. Not enough. And I was just like, fuck, what do I play? Yeah. But, and I didn't know because I don't keep up with like the new DJs or anything. I didn't know anything about the people playing around me. I just go in and do thing. my thing. Yeah. That's that sick. Like, All right, cool. I'm going to go back to my hotel room and go to sleep now. <laughs> I, I always request the three hour set. Like there's this big club here called Soundbar. You might have played it before, actually. Oh, yeah. I know Soundbar. Yeah. And um, the Wait. opening slot is 10 to 1. And I'm always like, Wait, and then is there Spy Bar as well? Right across the street. It's very confusing for people. Which one does a guy named John? Johnny? John, wait. John is Spy Bar. Spy Bar. Okay. Yeah, the underground place, the house house place. Yeah. I played there with Serge Devon a few years ago. Nice. Oh, yeah, man. I was killing it now. 20, 25 year anniversary. We're throwing a hood politics event there actually December 9th. So it's 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 still there, baby. My birthday is December 8th. Yeah, that would have been nice to come out and hang with the guys and play. But Special no, guest! Who's playing that one? Uh, me, Jake Shore Drive, this guy Binge Watch. You might know him. Um, yeah. A Boy With A Bag, who actually is released on Space Yacht. Um, and yeah, just, just some other Chicago guys. So we're, we're trying to... I've been doing it for the past year here, just throwing Hood Politics event, trying to make it about the the label and the event more than the artist. Cause I feel like that's what people want, but it takes longer to build that up. So yeah, yeah man. Um, there's, how did those parties do? Really well. And Chicago is having this awesome rebirth of yeah. uh, just like house music lovers. You know, it's a big uh, dubstep scene here, um, but obviously it's the home of house. But in terms of the community, I didn't feel like it was that great before the pandemic and now when we yeah. have come back there's all these like really dope collectives we all work together like we're all in this discord together it's like 300 house heads and we all oh, have nice. like our own collectives we throw really cool parties we play in each other's events we promote each other's events and we're bringing ushering in this like younger generation of like college kids or like um you know people who are just starting to get into house music even older people so it's a very, very lively scene here right now. And I've, I've just never been happier to be uh, sort of a tenured DJ trying to like spread the love, baby. Nice. Yeah. Um, it's good. That's good to hear. I had a lot of fun when I played it. Uh, I was supposed to, it was something weird happened. I was supposed to play like this warehouse party and they lost the venue. Oh then, my fucking God, dude. I heard about this. Yeah. And then you ended up playing at Prism. And then they were like, do you want to play like direct support for Nick Fanciulli? And I was like, yeah. And what's crazy is I like my, my, um, my interaction with Nick was so brief. Um, just like the changeover, you know? And yeah. then about a month and a half ago, he was playing at Savaya and I walked into the DJ booth and he like turns and he looks at me. He's like, I think he was like a little surprised to see me there, you know? <laughs> and then it was kind of cool. Cause like, it's actually funny. Like I kind of keep low key there. I go to Savaya and I, the DJ booth is really good. And it's always usually packed. Um, yeah. Um, but I don't like, I'm not the kind of guy that's like, Oh, you know, I'm a DJ, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I literally like, if you don't like, if, um, if you don't know me, like, I'm not gonna like, you don't want to explain yourself. I feel you. Right. I, 
No, no, I don't mean it in, a, in a, if you don't know me type way. I meant like if I don't know you, um, it's not even worth. I just it. kind of like just I just sit on the couch and like listen. I'm I'm there more to like check out the DJ and like see what like works and stuff like that. Yeah, it's kind absolutely. of like research, I guess. But um, there you go. But yeah, like he would play these these like edits and like he would like move people away like out of his way so he could see me and he'd be like, and he'd call me over and he'd like uh. He'd like explain to me like what kind of edit it was and be like, I'll send it to you. And then at the end of the night, like as he was like about to finish, he's like, I'm so jealous that you live here. And I was like, it's a good place to be. Wow. And he literally, he literally was catching a flight at one in the morning because we have this one in the morning flight that goes to Qatar. And the parties there at Savaya get over really early. Like they're done by like 11. Oh, um, so it's like a day party. It's like an evening party because you just get, I mean, it's, you're you're on a cliff above the ocean as the sun setting, you know? <laughs> yeah, true. And then the headliner goes on at eight. You know? Oh, so okay. He played a three-hour set um, and then was flying directly to Ibiza to play. Yeah, from there on the one o'clock. Um, sounds exhausting. Yeah. But like I said, like, I mean, uh, Bali, we have insane lineups. Like, it's... It's a small island, but like when I go to like Changu, which is the place where most of the expats live, like during the day to run errands, I just see all these billboards for like all these different acts that play there. Wow. And I'm like, whoa, like this is like 20 minutes away from where I live. And I have no idea that this is going on. Like James Hype, John Summit, like, oh, actually I, they just did Ultra and I went and hung out with John um, during his set. Um, nice. It was like Alesso rehab afrojack no rehab wasn't there or was he no no i don't think so i think he was there for something else or maybe he was there another night because ultra was two nights there and these guys black tiger sex machine <laughs> yeah I think they were they were helmets um yeah they're intense yeah no i mean they play dubstep so it's pretty intense um <laughs> uh, but um yeah just great parties there all the time fuck man i want to come out i know i feel like it's gonna overtake Ibiza soon as like the party destination it's already the number one, you know it's the number one um uh tourist destination in the world what number one you know what number two is is it in the u.s fuck now i know i was just, i'm nobody trying wants to... to get shot nobody wants to get shot Paris? Um, no uh new zealand wow yeah and i live in bali and i have a new zealand passport wow talk about the long game daniel i'm doing it right <laughs> yeah. you're just coming into your prime of life baby i am i am, I am. can i grow the beard in long the hair long oh fuck, start man. wearing sweatpants every day and just give up on life look start. at you you've come so far <laughs> i have Dude, this has been such a great time. Half man. my head's been cut off this whole thing. It's no, it's because I keep moving back and forth. You've been good. Now I'm gonna go random. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go now hang out with uh, Nick and Hulk Hogan. Tell <laughs> what up for me at karaoke. Watch my stories. But wait, do you follow my private account? My yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I did just recently. I love the. I have a, um. I put a lot more stuff on there, like stuff I'd get in trouble for if I put on my regular one. <laughs> do you see the one there was a guy on a one wheel today going through um i saw him on my walk and it was like 
Instagram and I was like, oh, look, a virgin. <laughs> I'll go look after this. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, I got to send you. Wait, I'm going to send you that uh, the thing um, well, that I played in with, with Yellow Wolf, too. Dude, fuck, man. I forgot we started off with that. That was, I don't even know how we got there, but I'm so glad that I heard that story. I'm you want to know something else random? And I'm not, I don't want to, we're going to end the interview now. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, tell me. And I'm not going to explain anything, but um, okay. do you know that? Do you know that uh, that movie, We Are Your Friends with Zach Efron? Of course. Do you know who the inspiration for that movie was? This guy. Movies, uh, interviews over. I'm not going to explain. Yeah. How funny is that? There's a long story behind all of that. But yeah, I was actually, I, I was actually on set like the last day for that thing. But yeah, like the guy that wrote it, wrote it. It's not my story, but I no. was the inspiration for it. I just got your story and that's not your story. But holy shit. Yeah. Okay, look, I just sent you that. Uh, look at this. What? Dude, holy shit. <laughs> what is everybody wearing? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what? Holy shit. That's you right there, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> oh! <laughs> um, uh, no, the guy with the, like, uh, scarf thing on, that was this Alexander McQueen scarf that I gave to Yellow Wolf, but that was DJ Paul. And then That was DJ was Paul. Yeah, Wolf was up front, and then um, in the back was uh, in the back was um, I think just like the tour manager. But this is the the one part. Thank you so much. These guys, these guys, Mafia, TJ Paul, Slow Mafia, Daniel Fucking Riot. Oh, Zig. This is your native son. He is from New Zealand. Make some noise for Daniel Ryan. Dude. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Thank you so much. Yeah. That was a, that was a good time. I just needed to get out of the house, though, because I was like just going through so much. I normally wouldn't have done it. Um. Just because, like, also, like, I'm not the kind of guy that likes, like, all these, like, stage shows and lights on you. And, like, you know, when I started DJing, the DJ wasn't, like, yeah. you didn't know what the DJ looked like. Yeah, you couldn't you see know? them. Y yeah, because we just played music and people actually danced. They didn't, like, stare at you, <laughs> which is, you know, what EDM, like, made it. And I don't even know what dubstep people do. Um, I don't but, either. Um, you know, I mean, it's teach their own. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, 
there's a certain dubstep that I like that has like, you know, like the stuff like what 12th plays. 12th plays. Yeah, for like sure. The older stuff, and, but this US maybe iteration of it, I don't know. I'm just not into that. It's just like this generation's Limp Biscuit or porn. Dude. Yeah. See that Woodstock 99 documentary? Oh, so good. <laughs> that was rad as fuck. <laughs> there was another Woodstock, though, before that they tried to do too, though. Like, yeah, I remember 90, 95 or something. Oh, yeah. Cause uh, I was, I watched a good documentary the other day on uh, Shannon Hoon, the mm. singer of uh, Blind Melon. Yeah. And I think Love it's Blind Melon. All that I can say, I think, is what it's called. All that I can say is that my uh, yeah yeah yeah. Um, so the documentary is called All That I Can Say, and yeah, he was he was at Woodstock. There was a, a thing, and I was like, wait, that's not the same one. So yeah, I guess it was ninety five, ninety six. Yeah, that shit was fucking bonkers. Yeah, man, man, it's just like these. Yeah, the whole price gouging, like just trying to turn a quick buck really backfired on them yeah i uh, hope people learned a lesson from that i think they did i mean yeah i mean it's been what like i don't think we've oh wait wasn't there something that was like really bad well not fire fest but like it wasn't uh, there like a not yeah. a Tomorrowland or something like that or something no. in atlanta or no. georgia it was travis scott astro world no 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 not that one there was a there was a festival where something like really not 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 people dying or anything, just like really. Oh, just, tomorrow world in Atlanta when it got like rained the fuck out. Yeah, like, that's what it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was a that it, they didn't come back. <laughs> yeah, but do they not do? They don't do a tomorrow world at all in America. No. Okay, that was nothing. It. Nothing in America after that. I mean, you can't really touch like EDC like insomniac insomniac dude they they own the country i mean you know um there's ultra but ultra in america just stays in its little thing you know yeah miami yeah. that's it and there's Dis disco donnie runs pretty big festivals like freaky deaky and stuff but oh yeah you know, but he used to be the... partners with he used to be partners with insomniac right yeah yeah because yeah. i know donnie from back when he used to do was it Freebase Society and all that stuff? He's been around a um, long time. Yeah, he used to throw rays when he lived in New Orleans. And, like, the FBI, like, indicted him on stuff. <laughs> yeah, there's that. a cool, crazy story. Like, they tried to come after him on, a, like, these this, like, conspiracy thing of kind of, like, running a crack house. Like, you know, like, doing events that were literally just there for people to come and do drugs. And it took him out of circulation for a while but he ended up winning holy shit yeah like that's like some 90s shit you should look yeah. into that disco donnie's been like yeah he's he's got he's got a long history he would be a good person to have on the podcast that's for sure he would he lives in puerto rico now doesn't he i think so i know i played edc puerto rico one year and he was he was there and he was telling me yeah i think his wife or somebody's from there edc puerto rico yeah that that used to be a thing and you said hard in hawaii too i didn't know they ever did it there yeah they did um it was good too 
I bet. Yeah. Shit, man. We're going to have to have another follow-up and uh, I'll just listen to you talk because that was one of the most fun interviews I've ever had, honestly. Oh, good. I don't, I don't watch interviews of myself. I don't watch interviews really of other people. So I don't, you know what? I don't really, I do to get better. And I do with other podcasts that are like somewhat the same format. But other than that, I'm like you, man. I like to just disconnect when I can and just try and be in touch with the real world and, you know, surround myself with the people that support me and so on and so forth. Right. For sure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, man. Yeah. I'm going to send you some of those bootlegs too. Send me everything, man. I'm I'm your contact. Whatever you need, bro. I got you. All right, cool. You're the man. Thank you. Have, have fun in Florida with your uh, mom and your brother, and uh, I'll be in touch. But safe travels back to Bali, man. Okay. Thank you.